the, the schools have started back for the families in our church. By the end of this week, all of the schools will have started back. So summer's winding down, which is kind of sad, right? Anybody sad? Summer's winding down. Yeah, summer's like a nice, nice, nice change of pace for us. And uh, even if you don't have kids, it's a, it's a little more relaxed. The days are longer. They're more outdoor activities, more things to go do and see. Most of us get some vacation time. Maybe you took a week or a weekend or a couple of weeks or whatever it is you do. And so when all of that starts to come to an end, it's kind of sad. Now, I know there are some students that are always eager uh, to go back. They, they want to see friends, so the social aspect, they're ready, some friends they hadn't seen during the summer, they're ready to get back to that, or um, maybe, they, maybe it's their first year of middle school, first year of high school, and that's really exciting. Maybe they're seniors this year, and they're like, just want to get in there and get this thing started and get it done, or they're in the band, they play a sport. So for a lot of reasons, for some students, they're, they're a little excited for this uh, back to school, but most students, I'm willing to bet, and, and probably all teachers, they're not too excited. Right? It's like, ah, oh, it's the end of an era, things are, things are kind of winding down. And um, the, the other thing that I hear this time of year, with kind of the sadness of summer on one hand, there's also, at least among adults, there's the mentality of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of ready for a schedule again. I'm kind of ready for a routine. Because, again, summer is that sort of relaxed vacation. So, you know, the schedule kind of gets a little loose during the summer. And so there are a lot of adults this time of year who say, you know, I just I need a routine. I, I, I'm ready to have a schedule I'm ready to know what my day is going to be and what the week is going to be, ready to get back to a routine. Now, those are the same people who, in about three weeks, as we start getting close to Labor Day, are going to say, man, I just need a break. I just need, man, I need a break from the routine. The schedule's killing me. It's just one thing after another. Nonetheless, I think what that says is we're just not ever satisfied. Like Whatever we have, we want the other thing. We're just not ever satisfied. That may be true, but there is a sense of, of schedule and, and routine, and can we just get back to the ordinary, even though the routine is stressful and fast-paced and always going, and we're always flying around, and we're always out of breath, and we're always stressed out. At least we know what to expect. At least there's a, there's a, a routine and a schedule. Now, I can't take the stress and the running around away, but, but in this series, I want to try to communicate to us that it's possible to experience the eternal in the ordinary. Yeah, we're going back to a routine. We're, go we're going back to a schedule, and it, it seems like we can get swept up in that schedule and in that pace and forget that in the everyday, in the ordinary, in the routine, you can actually experience the eternal. You can actually experience beauty and, 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 and miracles and, and God and, and God speaking to you and working in your life. The thing about routines is sometimes they get really routine. Right? They get really laborious and and exhausting and and if you have kids one spouse is taking kids that way and the other spouse is taking kids that way and you hope to meet back at home sometime before midnight and maybe have something to eat and then you get up the next day 
and you do it all over again. And so that routine, that schedule can kind of suck the beauty and the eternal and the God moments out of us because we're just pace, 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 running, 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 running. We are probably more attuned at noticing beauty when we're on vacation, right? Anybody have vacation this year and you just, you went to the mountains, you sat at the beach, you went on a cruise, you went to the lake, you went camping, and you just knew God was there. Like, God is here, this is perfect, this is wonderful you you made the instagram post remember you did the reel you did the tiktok thing it's like god is so good the sunrise the sunset because they only happen at the beach that's the only place sunrises and sunsets happen and so we have to instagram those to save them we won't see another one until we go back to the to the beach there's something about being there that that connects us to good and and, and, and powerful and, and God and just how wonderful things can be. You, you've experienced that. That's why you went on vacation this year, right? to pull away from the routine and to discover what is good and eternal and beautiful. It's why towards the end of vacation, a lot of us say, let's don't go back. Let's don't go back. Right? We, tell, we tell our spouse, can we just quit our jobs and stay here? And you're you're only sort of kidding. Can we, can we just stay? Can we find a way to never go back? We'll send a letter to our kids. We'll give them the house. They can have the house. We'll stay here. Yeah, because we, we feel that sense when we're on vacation of, boy, this is, this, this is beautiful. This is, I see God. This, 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 is, this is good. We went to the beach uh, six or so weeks ago with my family. Spent a week uh, at the beach. And then a few weeks later, Julie had a, a, a conference that she had to go to. So she was working. She had a conference in Jekyll Island, and I tagged along. Which, by the way, if your spouse has to go work somewhere in a nice place and you could tag along, I highly recommend it. Right? If you don't have to work, they have to work. I highly recommend doing this. We went to Jekyll Island, that's where her conference was, and I posted on social media, hey, I'm at Jekyll Island, hadn't been here in a while, what do I need to see, where do we need to eat, that's the main thing I wanted to know, where do we need to eat, what do I need to say, and among the suggestions, one of the consistent suggestions was, you should go see Driftwood Beach. Um, as it turned out, we were staying about 100 yards from Driftwood Beach, so uh, the next day, I got up, she went to work, I took a left and went down to Driftwood Beach, and I took these pictures with my state-of-the-art iPhone SE that's a hand-me-down from one of my daughters because that's the phone that Dad gets. But nonetheless, I took these pictures where a lot of brides go. They do their bridal pictures here. I had a couple of people say, hey, I got married there, which is awesome. But when you're here, like you know, life is good. God is good. This is incredible. This is, this is extraordinary. This is fantastic. But here's the thing, and here's what we want to we get to in this series. God's in the ordinary, too. God's in the everyday, too. Like summer's ending, and maybe you don't get to go to the beach for a little while. God's going to show up in the everyday of your life, if you can see it. If you're watching for it. 
if, if you are ready to experience it, but the, the tension is, the challenge is the ordinary often causes us to miss the extraordinary. The order, the fact that it's every day, it's get up, get the kids ready, get the carpool line, get to work, get back home, do homework, go to uh, practice, come back home. That sort of every day has a way of sucking the extraordinary out of our experience, but God's in the ordinary too. God's at work in the ordinary too. We can't allow the routine to steal what God wants to do and say to us during this season of the year. Almost 15 years ago, uh, Joshua Bell went into a Washington, D.C. metro station right at the entrance, and uh, he opened up his violin case, took his violin out, and began to play. Over 45 minutes, uh, Bell played six different pieces, songs, numbers. Around a thousand commuters passed Bell as he was playing. They're on their way to work. It's early. They're trying to catch the train. Around a thousand commuters passed by Bell during that 45 minutes. Um, in total, seven of them slowed down for a few seconds or stopped for a few seconds before moving on with their day. Out of a thousand people, only seven people slowed down. A couple of people walked by his open violin case and dropped in a dollar bill or some change, uh, like people will do for street musicians. At the end of that 45 minutes, Bell had collected $32.17. What the commuters that day did not know was this whole thing was an experiment. Uh, conceived by Gene Weingarten, who is a columnist for the Washington Post. It was an experiment to see whether people would recognize beauty in an ordinary place would they recognize the exceptional if it were in a common place that they went to every day you see joshua bell unbeknownst to most of the commuters commuters joshua bell is one of the most famous and accomplished violinists in all the world the six numbers that he played were all classical numbers, at least two of them by Bach, depending on which article you read. All of them may have been by Bach. One of them, the most difficult and intricate violin solo ever written. They also didn't know, while they gave their $32.17 in his violin case, that just a couple of days before, he had sold out a theater in Boston where decent seats went for $100 a seat. He was playing a 1713 Stradivarius violin that he reportedly paid $3.5 million for. And commuters walked right by. Didn't stop to listen didn't notice anything unusual it was their routine they were late they were in a hurry they had somewhere to be and with the exception of one person nobody knew who it was i'm going to show you a video you're going to see the the commuters passing bell and then you're going to see one person stop at the end watch this <laughs>
saw you at the Library of Congress and it was fantastic. I know who you are. I see you. This is the way our life is. We are rushing and we maintain a pace and we are stressed and there is much to do and I'm not taking anything away from that. But God, the God who made you and loves you, shows up in your life in the strangest of places and the question is, will you see it? Will you say, I know you? I know, I mean, you come today, hopefully, with some expectation of seeing and experiencing and feeling God, of being near God in this room. We expect that here, and hopefully we experience that every time we come together in this room, but tomorrow, God's going to be there too. Tomorrow, the, the extraordinary is going to be right in front of you, and will we walk around it? Will we step over it? Will we see it? Speaking of musicians, the writers of the Psalms were, were great at this. They were great at saying, stop, look, everybody look. I want you to see what God is doing. And in their songs and in their prayers, they're constantly calling our attention to see what we might miss. This is one example. Psalm 19, David, who was a king, who was a warrior, who was also a poet and musician, writes... The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the world. David says, hey, busy commuter. Trying to catch the train. Trying to merge onto 285. Sitting in traffic. Hey, you... God is speaking to you in his creation. God is speaking to you in this day, the one chronically running late. You, God is present. God is in front of you. David says the skies are declaring the glory of God. If you can't find him anywhere else, look up. The skies are declaring the glory of God. The days pour forth speech, David says. And then he doesn't want to be misunderstood and he says I mean I, I don't mean they have words like I don't mean you got to hear stuff actually I mean the beauty all around you this is God speaking to you the goodness that's in front of you that you sometimes miss because you are in a hurry look up look around you God is there God is present with you one of our pre-service uh, playlist songs I don't know if, I don't know if it got played today but it's a Johnny Swim song that just says, heaven is everywhere. Can you feel it? That's what they keep asking in the song. Heaven's everywhere. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Heaven is breaking through into this world. Heaven is breaking through into your life every day, everywhere, in all circumstances. It's everywhere. Can you see it? David goes on to say in verse the end of verse 4 in the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber like a champion rejoicing to run his course it rises at one end of the heavens and makes a circuit to the other nothing is deprived of its worth David apparently is not content to get out of bed and say oh, another day 
another day, another dollar. This day is going to be just as bad as the last day. David's not content with that sort of mentality. Instead, David gets out of bed and says, The sun is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber on his wedding day. He can't wait for the day to start. He anticipates the joy and the celebration and all that's going to happen in his life on that coming day. He can't wait to get the day started. And then he shifts illustrations and says, okay, if it's not like a groom, it's like a champion runner. The sun runs its course across the sky all day and then sets at the end. This was the, this was the heart that David had every time he got out of bed. This was the mentality that David had every time a day started. What is God going to do today? How can I face this day like a, like a groom anticipating his wedding day, like a champion runner who's trained for this day and is really ready to do his absolute best? Let's get this day started because God is going to show up today, this day, every day. And look, let me point out, I get it. You know, this is the yeah, but portion. I get it. Some people take this way too extremes. Like, people get really weird with this sometimes. And, it, it, and they talk about, like, everything is from God. And, like, every mosquito bite is a me message from God. I get it. There are people, like, way, like, get way weird with this sort of thing. But what I've found is that there are far more people who live their lives without joy without a sense of expectation, without a sense of hope, without being able to see God present in their day, then there are those who go to extremes with this. Like, if you got to get a little weird, then get a little weird with this. It's way better than being negative all day. It's way better, way, way better than being depressed every day. It's way better than being critical every day, being negative every day. The other thing I, I want to say, just, just by, in the sense of, uh, of yeah, but, I, I'm not trying to say that we don't ever have bad days. We do have bad days, right? I, I'm not trying to say just ignore bad feelings. It's not what this is about. I, I, I'm not trying to say don't feel your emotions at all. I am trying to say that that, that hard part doesn't have to be the norm every day. That, that one bad day doesn't have to turn into more bad days. That one day of struggle doesn't have to become a second and a third and a fourth day of struggle. That ha doesn't have to become my norm. Criticism doesn't have to become my norm. Seeing the worst doesn't have to become my norm. Being negative doesn't have to become my norm that I can get up and realize God has started this day. God is in this day. The heavens are telling his glory. And yeah, I'm going to have a routine day. I'm going to have an ordinary day. I'm going to ordinary places and God is going to be there. And God is going to be speaking. And God is going to show up. God does this himself. It's one of my favorite aspects of the creation story is just how much God enjoys doing it. Just how thrilled God is in his own creative 
abilities. This is Genesis chapter 1. At the beginning of uh, Genesis 1, on day 1, God says, Let there be light, and there was light. And verse 4 says, And God saw that the light was good. He didn't just make it. He stepped back and enjoyed that moment. He, He reflected on that moment. He found excitement, energy in that moment. It was good. Day two, God separates the sky from the water. Day three, he separates the water from the land. And then verse 10 says, God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw, oh, this is good too. This is good, right? This is good. Uh, Then on that same day, God brings forth vegetation, trees, and fruit on the land. This is verse 12. And God saw that it was good. On the fourth day, he created the stars and the sun and the moon. And then in verse 18, and God saw that it was good. God never gets tired of saying, this is good. This is good. I'm enjoying this. I'm loving this. I'm excited about this. He then fills the land with animals. This is verse 25, and God saw that it was good. On the sixth day, he makes humans. And at the end of that day, in verse 31... It says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. It was very good. I mean, you you and I, we can approach our days, and we can find a lot wrong with any day. We can find a lot discouraging with any day. We, We can find a lot to complain about with any circumstance in our world or in our nation or in your life or in your relationship and here's God at the very beginning of time giving us this example of stepping back from everything and saying this is good I love this I can't wait to do this again where is that in in our lives where are those little moments maybe those little places that we recognize we pause we recognize this is good this is good yeah a lot of bad stuff maybe going on around it. I'm just I'm not giving my attention my full attention to all of that this is good this is beautiful this is of God this is God at work let me celebrate this let me enjoy this in the routine of your life, in the ordinary of your life, those things exist. And I know for some of us, maybe we don't see them or celebrate them as much because we feel like, yeah, but the problems need all of my attention. I get that. Like, I totally get that. Yeah, but I got to fix this stuff, and then I can enjoy that stuff. Who told you that? Who told you that? Here's what I can tell you. All the stuff's never getting fixed in your lifetime. It's not ever getting fixed. Some of it, you you need to give attention to it. I'm not saying forget about stuff. There's always going to be stuff to fix. There are always going to be things that aren't the way you want them. You and I will learn to rejoice in the midst of that to find good in the midst of difficulties and problems and struggles and ordinary and routine. We will learn to celebrate in the midst of that or we just won't ever celebrate. 
we just won't ever see the good we'll just keep putting it off like one day i'm going to one day i'm really going to enjoy my life one day i'm really going to be grateful for all the good gifts that god has given me today though i've got to fix this it's never all going to get fixed it's never all going to get fixed and that's what i love about genesis 1 is is god does his thing he speaks things into existence and before he rushes off to the next thing he enjoys it this was good now this this is the god who is no fool this is the god who knows it's all about to get messed up right humans are about to mess all of this stuff i just made up make a big mess out of it that doesn't keep him from acknowledging yeah, but this right here is still good. This right here is still good. I know in, in relationships, in, in family, at jobs, like there's always stuff that's tearing at us and pulling at us. Oh, there are hard things in life. There are weighty things in life. What we need to develop, though, what we need to ask God to give us, though, is the ability to see what's good in the midst of those times. Look for the good. Look for the good. You can spend your whole life looking for what's wrong, looking for the negative, looking for what to criticize, and you're going to miss a lot of good. You're going to miss a lot of artists playing beautiful music. You're going to miss a lot of sunsets and a lot of sunrises. Look for what's good. Jesus had a phrase that he used often in his teaching when he'd be talking to crowds of people, he would remind his followers that, you know what, there are just some people who have eyes to see and ears to hear, and there's some people who don't. But this whole crowd's not going to hang around. This whole crowd's not going to go with us. Some people have eyes to see. They get it. They hear it. They're tuned in. When it comes to finding beauty goodness grace love the extraordinary in the everyday ordinary let's ask god, god to give us eyes to see that let's ask god give me ears to hear it don't let me pass by the music don't don't let me, don't let me walk past the sunset help me to notice it see it's never that it's not there it's never that God hasn't put any good in your life. It's never that God isn't working a miracle in your life. It's that you and I don't see it. We don't hear it. And maybe we're looking for something else. Maybe we're expecting it to be something else. Maybe like this experiment, we're finding it in some unusual place that we didn't expect it to be, and so we don't notice it. We need eyes to see we need ears to hear. God, awaken within me as we plunge back into the routine, as we jump back into a busy schedule. God, help me see where you're at work, where you're doing works of beauty and glory and eternal things. Remember the story of the prophet Elijah? Elijah battles the, the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and he wins, of course. The one true God defeats all of the idols, but then Jezebel vows to kill Elijah. And so he runs away and he's, he's depressed and, and he's at rock bottom and he wants to die. And God ministers to him in that moment. And then God takes Elijah up onto a mountain. Some of you are familiar with this story. Takes Elijah up 
on the top of a mountain, and he's going to show Elijah something. And First Kings 19 says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in that great and powerful wind. That's not where he was. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Again, big, loud, noticeable. And the scripture says, yeah, that's not where God was either. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, really visible, feel the heat. And the Bible says he wasn't there. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. God was in the most ordinary thing that happened that day. Not a miracle of fire or a miracle of an earthquake or a miracle of this powerful wind. that blew. God was in the most common thing that happened that day, a gentle whisper. And the scripture says, when Elijah heard it, he went out to listen to God. He had, he had ears to hear. It wasn't what he expected. It wasn't how he expected God to speak. Maybe it wasn't even the way he preferred God to speak. But it was the way God spoke that day in the quiet, in the ordinary, in the unexpected. And as you plan your day, as you plan your week, God's speaking. God's showing up. The question is, can you hear it? Will you see it? You're going to be late for the train tomorrow. You're going to be running behind and almost miss carpool. You're going to have a deadline. There's going to be a traffic jam on I-20. It all starts again tomorrow the race and the pace and the ordinary and the routine and the heavens will be declaring the glory of God tomorrow and a runner will come out and run his race across the sky and it will be a day that God has made for you will you hear it will you see it God, thank you that you speak to us in the ordinary, in the routine. We, we often, we want to hear you in the big and the loud and the bombastic. We want something clear and undeniable. And you are in the corner playing music for us as we walk by. You are painting the canvas of the sky every day and every night. And we're late for the train. And we got to get the kids there on time. And we're behind on a project. And we have too many things to do. Then we have time to get done. And though the heavens are declaring the glory of God, we miss it. We miss it. Give us eyes to see this week. Give us ears to hear. Our routine is going to be just as busy and hectic this week as it was last week. 
but help us to see things we missed last week. Help us to call good things that we overlooked last week. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.